0: Joe leading us. Um yeah, Ephesians Ephesians three verse fourteen to twenty one is uh is where we are this morning. If you wanna if you wanna go there uh in your Bibles or your phones, um I'll I'll read it and uh and then we'll come back and um Pull a few things out of it. I'm going to be as quick as I can because I want to leave some time at the end. David's going to come back up and lead us one more song around uh, around the Lord's table. And um, so, just to make you aware of that, that's where we're going. Verse 14 of Ephesians 3. Um, for this reason, and we'll come back to that in a moment, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom this whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. of all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Remarkable, remarkable prayer that Paul is is praying. For the church and for us all for this reason or maybe some of your version says because of this and um and so i'm not again i'm not going to go i'm not going to go back and go over all the ground that we've covered it feels like we've covered a lot of ground over the last number of weeks uh and continue to encourage you to go back on the um soundcloud and uh and pick up where where we've been um to, to really get what what Paul is saying, for this reason, um, all, that he's, all that he's said up until this point, he is now saying, because of all of that, I'm kneeling before the Father. Just to give you a bit of an idea, last week we talked about this, um, this remarkable idea that the manifold wisdom of God, the multifaceted, the multi-diverse, the mul- many-coloured Many manifestations of the wisdom of God is being, is being made known through the church. it was beautiful last week and we continue to see stories of it again this week as, as, uh, as the church in Ukraine continues to worship, continues to bow the knee, continues uh, to, to, to hold on to hope and courage in the middle of challenge and it's through that it's through that type of self sacrificing other-centered love that the manifold wisdom of god is on display everything and everyone notices whenever the the church um operates in this way and paul is paul is he's saying because of this the, the this community this community in which men women children from every race color social background cultural background come together in worship of the one true god When we talked a wee bit about that sort of thing last week, the church when the church follows the sacrificial other centered way of Jesus, everyone and everything notices. And so because of that, Paul is now kneeling before the Father. This prayer is uh, a it's one I think it's one of three prayers that one of three prayers that are clear from this letter. Paul in in Ephesians one This beautiful prayer that he prays for the church here again in Ephesians 3 and then again towards the very end of the letter in Ephesians 6. Um, It's Eugene Peterson that says, this is Paul's churchiest letter. Paul's churchiest letter is articulated in the language of prayer. And so for me, I think it is important for us just to again point out that as we introduced this letter at the very beginning, we suggested that it was... um, it was pretty clear that it was evenly divided into two sections. The first section was, was uh, revealing to us the gospel story, the incredible story of how, um, how walls have been broken down, the cross of Jesus has broken down the walls of hostility to make the two groups one. And, um, and, and, and Paul begins to flesh that all out. In the, in the first three chapters, he reveals to us the, the the gospel story essentially, and then the last three chapters are, I suppose, our our response, our instruction, the practical ways of living out the love of God. Um, and so it feels like that's pretty clear that 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 structure of the letter. But here, this prayer feels like it's such a transitional center it feels really important that we that we get this and i don't know if i don't know i don't know what you, what your what your preference is but i think for some of us when it comes to approaching the bible or approach the approach the the, the christian life we often want to start at instruction we want to start at what is it that we need to do we want to start with the practical and i'm not saying that that's bad But sometimes the downfall of that is when that's your starting point, then that's whenever you begin to measure, judge, assess the behavior of yourself or that of others. Whenever that's your starting point, I think you're quicker to assess or measure or judge um, how everybody else is lining up. And I think that's why Paul is starting this letter. with the gospel story become rooted in this and then this prayer that he prays it feels like it is such a transition from here is the gospel story and here is how you live it out and because of because of this for this reason paul kneels before the father to pray this remarkable prayer and discipleship um is about being loving Sometimes our discipleship is about a list of do's and don'ts, uh, a list of passing on instruction, passing on practical ways of living out the love of God. Again, all of which is not bad, but discipleship is about being loving. Discipleship is about grasping the love of God. It's It's more about being rooted in love than it is rooted in the dos and don'ts of our uh, Christian experience, and so Paul say, Paul kneels before the Father, before from um, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I've always loved that verse. I've always just loved the thought of that, and um, I it was it was a good example of it was on Wednesday night. For, for some of you that were um that were in the room with us and the others watched uh, watched it at home um the, the prayer event that world vision put on for for ukraine I, I, I found it a remarkable a remarkable event, really well done, very informative, very moving. And um started out with um Archbishop Angelos. And uh, I was just struck by the language that he used. I suppose this was already in my mind, what, where we were in, uh, in our series through this letter. Uh, and as he introduced the prayer event, he says, we're praying for our sisters and brothers in the Ukraine. And, he, um, and then he, he paused to say, we're not just praying for Christians. So often we can just assume that when we use that language, we're praying for, for Christians. But he was suggesting that actually we're praying for our brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters are those who have been created in the image and the likeness of God. And so Paul, I think, is backing up that sentiment. The, the whole, every family in heaven on an earth derives its name. Every one of us, every one of us, no matter who we are, no matter where we stand, been created in the image and likeness of God. And he, We know this, I think. He came for the world. He so loved the world that he gave. And so he kneels. He kneels before the Father because he is desperate for the church to know and experience the love of God that that he is going on to try and articulate. He is desperate for them to experience the love of God. He is desperate for the church to. To know and experience what it means to be loved by God, and uh, again on last Sunday we gathered up in the upstairs room here to pray for, to pray for our community, to pray for our young people, to pray for our church, just in an open space. God, what is it that you want to do in this in this space in this through us in this community? And, uh, and just asking that question, and, and towards the end, I think it was the last act of the evening, David read these same words that, we are, that we've already read this morning, and, uh, and he got us, as only David can, got us all to kneel, and I just found it a, a just very movement moment. I think that something happens within me whenever people collectively kneel, or something about that act of together submitting, uh, to God submitting ourselves and our plans and our thoughts to, the, to God and for me I, I, I think I, I'd be moved in those moments because it's more than an act of reverence it is an act of reverence to kneel before the Father but it is, it is even more than that I'm not sure who said it but it is, is, it is an act of voluntary defenselessness when you're on your knees that you're, you can't assert yourself. Like there is a certain, there's a certain amount of control that you are given up when you bow the knee. You can't run away. You can't force yourself. You're in a position of defenseless, defenselessness. You're in a position of submission. And there's something about that. I'm not saying that there's any light bulb moments necessarily, but there's something about kneeling before the father. Um that you become less and yes that he becomes more but you become less so that you can become aware of more And I think that you become aware of more in that place of laying down your own ambition your own agenda your own preferences your own bias voluntary defenselessness no longer asserting yourself becoming less so that you become aware of more. And the, this prayer of intercession, that Paul prays, it, it, it's flowing. His prayer of intercession is flowing from the, from the plentitude of God. The over <laughs> It is really difficult to communicate this, because even Paul himself says, uh, in the midst of this prayer, um, as, as much as I want you to know this, as much as I want you to experience this, you can't fully. And I'm like Paul, come on, help me out here like you're wanting, you're wanting to articulate this this is really important, and then you're telling us that even if you begin to understand it, you can't fully but he is he's this 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 prayer of intercession that's flowing because he knows that in God is is overflowing of everything. That we need everything that we need to know, everything that is important. So it's not that Paul is Paul spent time with these people. He spent time with this church. It's not that he is unaware of what is going on in the surface. And I know in some ways they seem like a model church, but they didn't have it. They didn't didn't have it all together. Who does? But Paul is Paul is not unaware of what is going on in the surface. But what his prayer, his intercession. It is listening and beginning to name what is going on beneath, what is going on within. What he knows of the abundance and the plentitude of God uh, makes his intercession filled with confidence. That no matter what is going on in the surface, there is something that he is listening to and naming that is, that is going on, that is always going on beneath, that is always going on within. It was uh, Teresa of Avila wrote that uh, in her book, Interior Castle, there is so much more to what is within me than me. There's so much more to what is within me than me. And I think that speaks of something of what Paul is longing for the church in Ephesus, the church in County Armada to grasp. There's so much more within you than you realize. There's so much more within you than what is on going on or what is on the surface. And some of this language, I don't even know how to fill this out any more than just repeating what Paul is praying here out of his glorious riches. There it is, that, that idea of the, 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 this prayer of intercession flowing from the abundance of God. Out of his glorious riches, he would strengthen you with power in your inner being. So that, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And Again, the start of this week uh, um, popped up on my phone. David had been speaking in the States, uh, in uh, Cedar Rapids, about four years ago. And um, he quoted from 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. And again, it's Paul. It's Paul writing to the church in Corinth. I said, come on, guys. You need to understand this. You need to grasp this. He says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you? Don't you realize? Part of me would love to, to go around the room and, and eyeball every one of you and say, say that. Don't you realize, don't you know that the te- you are the temple of God? Don't you know that the Spirit of God lives in you? That's, that's the truth. Sometimes we don't grasp it. Maybe sometimes we don't believe it. Maybe sometimes we just can't get our head around the fact that the Spirit of God lives in you. Paul's prayer this kneeling before the father in desperation this is so fervent such filled with such urgency that they would know this because if they don't get this all of this all of the practical outworking is it's it's not going to be it's not going to mean the same if it's not rooted in love if it's not you cannot give love away if you haven't received it and Paul is longing for them to receive this love. He's longing for them to grasp and experience this love, because he's going to articulate in the second half of the letter. This is how it's going to impact your relationships. And when David was talking in that, uh, in that message, I' encourage you to go and listen to it. First um, Corinthians three verse 16, David then went on to ask. I'm just going to make a mess of it and paraphrase, but like, what voices are you listening to? I think he said correct me if I'm wrong David, participate if you want, where, essentially where are you finding your identity, what voices are you listening to, how are you defining yourself, that's really as I, as I was reflecting on that, as I was thinking about what David was sharing and that idea of how are you defining myself, it became quite personal for me and I suppose that's why I thought it would be wonderful for us to take communion today. Just because uh, almost as we, as we gather around the Lord's table with that question, as you examine yourself, what voices are you listening to? What mirror are you holding up before yourself? What? How are you defining yourself? What voices are you listening to? What voices are you empowering? And it's one of our values, and it's maybe something we don't talk a, a, a lot about or maybe enough about, but it's one of our values, identity. Identity from the love that Christ has for us, it's so important. And so before we get to instruction, before we get to the practical ways of living this out, we want to make sure, and I think Paul wants to make sure that you're getting your identity here in the, the, the depths and the height and the breadth and the width of the love that he has for you. If, you don't, if we don't get your identity here, my fear is, as I, as I self-examine, as I self-reflect, it's so easy to spiral into judgment of self or of others. It's so easy to spiral into the shame of self or of others if your identity is not rooted in his, in his love. And so we uh the risk of just keeping on repeating myself to fully grasp its depth to fully grasp his love um is the first half of this letter the conclusion is the transitional point of this letter and the second half is in how we mature uh, as a community again just to go back to these to, to Paul's prayer here, rooted in love, that's his prayer. You'd know the glorious riches that's available to you. You'd know uh, that he, he dwells within you, he lives in you. You would be rooted in love. Again, I feel like I've quoted this loads recently, but 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1, uh, Paul, again to the church in Corinth, while knowledge makes us feel, is, feel important, it is love that strengthens the church rooted in love and then he goes on understand it was my prayer for you as i was in this room this morning on my own that just became my prayer much as i want to try and articulate as best as i possibly can (laughs) with any ability that i've got it's like for me it is has to be revelation feels so inadequate to try and articulate or trying to get the penny to drop it almost just needs a revelation. Spirit of God would you come now and let us understand how deeply and widely and longly I don't even not even speak in English anymore, how broadly your love is for us. He would understand it and he says though it is too great to understand it fully. And so where you sit right now, where you sit in this room right now, you are completely loved. Completely. His love for you in this moment, where you sit, is perfect. And as basic as this might sound, there there is nothing you've done, there's nothing you're thinking right now, there is nothing that has gone on this week that would make him think or love you any less than he possibly does right now. His love for you in this moment, where you sit, is perfect. And maybe you've had a good week. And just so you know, he can't love you anymore, even if you've had a good week. It's not based on that. Where you sit right now, his love for you is perfect. There's been moments this week where th- like I've felt, I've almost felt the emotion of that as... You, th- you think some rubbish thoughts, or feel like faith is like dragging its heels behind you. Hope it's dragging its heels behind you. It's helpful that you're sp- you're you're communicating this, but I don't want to live there. I don't want that just to be my experience because I'm speaking from this verse today. I want that to be my experience. Just have those moments where. Actually, even as I'm dragging faith and hope along behind me a wee bit, His love for me, even then, is still perfect. It's still complete. There's moments it feels fleeting, but it feels enough. The moments you just grasp it for a moment feels enough to sustain. And so that's my prayer for us all, that you would have those moments where you grasp, you take hold, that His love for you, that how He sees you right now is, like, overwhelmed with love. Something within him, like I don't have these moments. I cannot remember a time having these moments, and I absolutely adore my children. I can't think of a moment where I've been so overwhelmed that it's just caused me to sing. The thought that that's what father does over us, I like. Still, that's remarkable. That as he would look at me and all my mess and all my imperfections, something about how much he loves me would still cause him to sing. Would still cause him to rejoice over me with singing. Incredible. and so this is why Paul kneels, he's, this is fervent he's so, it's so alive in him it is such he's carrying such urgency that they would get this because if they can't get this if they can't love it, the, 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 you can't love if you haven't received it and then he closes out this prayer with that you may be filled as if all of that wasn't enough it's all that you would be filled with all the fullness of God and then verse 20 and 21, glory to him. We don't, have time, we don't have time, but we touched on this last week. Glory to him in the church and in Jesus. I suppose that was just a wee, a wee moment for me again this week as I was thinking about last week. We talked last week about the head and the body metaphor. And sometimes we, there's misunderstanding or sometimes we get ourselves into trouble when we sever the head and the body. Christ is the head, that the church is the body. We, we sever the head and the body and we then dissect and, and argue and debate over the body and the, and the head separately. But you can't have one without the other. And so here it is again, the closing part of this letter. Glory to him. Glory to the Father. Glory to him in the church and in Jesus. You're not going to separate. You can't have one without the other. You're dealing with the church. You're automatically dealing with Jesus. You're dealing with Jesus. You're automatically dealing with the church. You can't have one without the other. And that's why when it comes to verse 21, um, or verse 20, going back on myself, sorry, him to him who is able to do more, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And oftentimes, I don't know about you, maybe it's just my experience, maybe it's just what I do. Sometimes that's the only part of that verse that we quote. We're wanting, the, we're wanting to believe for that, Pull it out and, and we'll say that he's able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. But again, the importance is you can't have can't have that without the church. And it says at the end of that little line, according to his power that is at work within us. His power that is at work within us. And to go back to the verse that David was speaking from this week, four years ago. Don't you realise that you together, that all of you together, are the temple of God? So as mighty power is at work within us, sometimes we like we leave that bit that bit out, and the church is annoying us. And the church is getting it wrong. But we we're tempted to leave that that bit out. And uh, and just in closing, I I was uh, again I was sitting in the dining room just. Reading over this this morning, and uh, a Neville had sent through a video, um, of a of a local guy, Colin Tinsley, who's done an incredible job over the last couple of weeks, um, filling containers, rallying people right across the nation, um, to fill a container, after container, uh, to send to Poland and, and to the Ukraine, and um, and just his little line in the middle of it all, like they're not a they're not a they're not a big ministry, they're not. A major ministry, whatever that even means, but um, just in the middle of it, he he uh, he just shared that this is more than he could possibly have asked or dreamt of, filling twenty-five containers from the people of Northern Ireland right across, and he was incredibly generous in how he pointed out that how other people were involved in this, he didn't take any of the glory for himself, and they just thought that that was probably a wee bit of of verse 20 and 21 on display, that he'll do more than we could possibly ask or imagine whenever the Spirit is at work within us all. It's been beautiful to witness, and it doesn't even come close to touching the pain and the destruction that's going on. But to watch church, to watch Raleigh, being willing, like, It almost feels, talking about the Jamie at the start, like who cares about denomination? Who cares about labels at the minute? the, The love of God compels us. We're rooted in love. All of that stuff feels so secondary whenever we decide to let the power and the love of God work within us. And whenever we do that, we will see more than we could possibly ask or.